A brief update. It's May the 12th, 2024. I've released just two episodes of this year. My father-in-law passed away in January. He bravely fought a multitude of health issues for well over 15 years. Rest in peace, John. My wife of more than 20 years, Lisa, is remarkably strong, much more so than I. Her outlook on life is always positive and has motivated me to resume my passion project. Research for new episodes is now well underway. Stay tuned and sincere thanks for subscribing to my podcast. At a Bulls season launch luncheon, Doug Collins introduced each of his players, showing that whilst being a rookie head coach, he was definitely not a rookie behind the mic. When introducing Dave Corzine, Collins said, if anyone boos, I'll shoot them. (laughs) And went on to say that Dave is the least respected player in the league by people who don't know basketball. As long as I'm here, I'll be the president of the Dave Corzine fan club. (laughs) Oh, that is so good. I always like to say that Michael got to play with me for a year at North Carolina. (laughs) I think it really helped him spectacular player from the beginning you can see right away jordan was going to be a big time scorer and showed what an impact he was going to have on the league this is mb87 celebrating the 30-year anniversary of michael jordan's chicago bulls in the 1987 nba season now here's your hosts adam ryan and aaron steen welcome back to another episode of nb87 this series that chronicles the 86 87 nba season aaron Thanks again for joining me, mate. How are you? And welcome back to our regular listeners and those new to the show as well. Yeah, good to be back for episode number two. Looking forward to speaking about the Mike Smrick Memorial Game, Adam. (laughs) We're off to a flyer already with that mention. A quick disclaimer that relates to our entire NB franchise. In most instances where we don't specifically mention a newspaper source, it's safe to assume that most news has been sourced via United Press International or UPI. Uh, From what I understand, it was a huge agency that provided news material to thousands of newspapers, and at its peak, it rivaled the now seemingly omnipresent Associated Press. I'd love to quickly read out a fantastic review we received recently, mate, from the US iTunes store from a user named Scott 79 The review is titled, A Fantastic Show About the Golden Age of Basketball. Adam and Aaron have produced an amazing show about what I consider the golden age of basketball. Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, played in an era that had unparalleled drama, action, and depth. Adam and his guests do a fantastic job capturing that amazing time in sports history and allowing the listener to feel the excitement of the era all over again. The amazing thing about covering Michael's career is that it also included the careers of many of the best players in history. Kareem, Larry, Magic, um, Hakeem, I quite like that, and even Alan Iverson to name a few. This era of basketball cannot be relived, but Adam proves the memories and emotions can. Keep up the great show, Adam. We all love it. Jay Scott. Now you can find Jay Scott on Twitter at Jay Scott Fitness. So thanks very much, Jay. You're a champion. NBA News Notes and Quotes October 31st through November 15th, 1986. The NBA season commenced with nine games on the slate. The largest margin of victory was 30, as Denver trounced the visiting San Antonio Spurs. The victory came at a big cost, with seven-year veteran Calvin Natt rupturing his right Achilles tendon, and he would miss the rest of the season. The lowest winning margin was a solitary point. Sacramento held on for a 107-106 win. 
over the travelling LA Clippers. In Boston, David Stern was on hand to distribute championship rings to the 86 Celtics, and this was the franchise's 16th banner that would hang proudly from the garden's rafters. Though almost an afterthought, the Celtics then took to the parquet floor and outshot the visiting Bullets for a comfortable 120-102 to win. Prior to Philadelphia's season opener at home, Julius the Dr. Irving announced that he would retire following the season, and he then kicked off his 16th pro season with 18 points, leading the 76ers to a 108-104 to win, and Charles Barkley led all scorers with 31 points. And a few quick random stats from opening day. According to the MightyBasketballReference.com, 198 players had court time. Portland's Kiki Vandaway led all scorers with 36 points, and Sacramento's Mark Olberding scored one point. 23 players failed to score. I really need to delve into basketball reference a little bit more because to know that it has stats like 198 players at court time on opening day shows you just how brilliant the website is. Oh, it's fantastic, mate. Absolutely love it. We're big fans, of course, as we are prone to say. Doug Collins needs David Corzine's scoring for the Bulls' second unit, reported Bob Sakamoto. This left three-year journeyman Granville Waiters to face one of the NBA's best big men when healthy in Bill Cartwright. Corzine pointed out the extra luster added to your name when you're an NBA starter, but as long as he gets substantial playing time, he won't complain. Coach Collins had been so consumed with trades and roster changes that he hadn't thought about his NBA coaching debut. He said he hopes to perform better in his coaching debut than he did in his playing debut, adding that he stunk. (laughs) In his first game as a sixer. 76er. Okay. Also on this day, former Bull Orlando Woolridge scored 20 in his Nets debut and New Jersey's 108-97 win against the Knickerbockers. On November 1. Sports writer Frederick Waterman wrote that Boston planned to have Larry Bird attend the Celtics rookie camp to assist with the tutelage of would-be rook Len Bias. Tragically, the Bird and Bias connection never happened. In the article, Collins knows about Bulls' past record. Coach Collins, who starred at Illinois State, said, quote, The Chicago Bulls were the team I wanted to play for, especially coming out of college, so I'm here at last, end quote. The article, in reference to doubt over Collins' ability to steer the Bulls to success, makes mention that he had never been a head coach prior to taking over in Chicago. On the night of November 1, Chicago at New York held on for a stirring 108-103 victory in the confines of Madison Square Garden in front of a bumper crowd, 19,325. Doug Collins was victorious in his coaching debut and Michael Jordan scored 50 points at New York for the first time in his career, and the Bulls were off to a 1-0 record. For the Bulls, MJ had the 50-point game, along with six boards, three assists, four steals, and three blocks. How's that for coming out of the gates? Earl Curitan, newly acquired from the Detroit Pistons, had 17 points and 13 rebounds, so that's a great effort from him. Charles Oakley, 17 points and eight boards. Steve Coulter, seven points and 10 assists. And for the Knicks, Rory Sparrow came out flying with 24 points and 7 rebounds. And Mr. Bill, Bill Cartwright, 21 points and 8 rebounds. As you mentioned a little bit earlier about Cartwright's health issues, this was just the fourth game in three seasons for Bill. He played just two games in January of 86 and then sat out the entire 84-85 campaign due to injury and shameless self-promotion. Have a listen to episode 43 of In All Ennis. Big Bill joined me on the podcast and was a great guy to chat to and we discussed his entire career. 
Michael Jordan looked his rookie coach in the eye as the Bulls were losing down the stretch against the Knicks and said, and I quote, Coach, I'm not going to let you lose your first game, end quote. It's also been said that Collins had chewed his gum so vigorously that it had disintegrated, leaving a white residue around his mouth. Jordan handed Collins a towel telling him to, and I quote, wipe that stuff off your face. (laughs) Although he didn't say stuff, he said another word that begins with S. Four letters in it and H-I-T after the S. Jordan's 50 eclipsed the previous best scoring game at the current Madison Square Garden by an opponent set by both Quinton Daly and Rick Barry, both who had 44 points, and that after going just three for 12 in the first half. Yeah, that's incredible. He only had three points after one quarter, Uh, so he was on a mission. After leading most of the way, the Bulls fell behind 90-85 to midway through the fourth, but Jordan's 21 points in the last term got the Bulls over the line. Great support from Earl the Twelve Curitan, Granville Waiters and Charles Oakley meant MJ wasn't alone in the Bulls' win. At one point during the fourth quarter, the Bulls' water boy was nowhere to be found, so a five-foul-laden Charles Oakley brought over five refreshments to the guys on the floor <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely love that. Doug Collins' collar on his shirt was blue by game's end from sweat, and the Bulls celebrated the win with the enthusiasm of a high school championship, said Bob Verdi. On the team bus afterwards, the players teased Jordan about his 50 points, saying that Wilt averaged that for a whole season. <laughs> and though only 25, Grenville Waiters' balding head had people often mistaking him for a coach of the Bulls, and Doug Collins a player. <laughs> oh, that's a classic. There's a couple of great things out of this. Um, the first is that just a random thought popped in my mind. Chris Collins, Doug's son, actually was on the Bulls Ball Boys staff, I guess you'd say, yeah. uh, in the latter part of the 80s. There's certain games, most notably Game 6, I think, of the Eastern Conference semis against the Knicks at Chicago Stadium in 1989 springs to mind where Chris Collins and Doug embraced after the game ended. Uh, that's another great memory there. Mm. And... When you talked about that chewing gum that Jordan was talking about, telling Collins to wipe it off his face, uh, Doug recounted that on one of the many different documentaries or clips over the years. Yeah, some good memories already there, mate. Trying to keep the podcast G-rated. I like it. Yeah. We don't want to go into the, um, what is it? Explicit. Yeah, explicit. <laughs> I don't know how to think. Explicit category. Exactly right. Yes. Now, even with the bullets in town, the best shooting of the game belonged to Cleveland's West who was on the mark with a career-high 27 points, 11 of 17 from the field, securing his Cavaliers a 113-106 to win. Rookie Ron Harper, who was oft considered to be a player in the same ilk as Michael Jordan coming out of college, was far from gun-shy, contributing 25 points. It's also worth noting that eight of Harp's 20 highest-scoring games happened in this, his rookie season, which included a career-high 40 at Boston, which we'll get to when we reach February of 1987. That's a cool tidbit. I didn't know that Harp had his career-high in his rookie season. Quite incredible when you think about it, because he was a a big-time scorer in those first four or five seasons in the league. In a rematch of the 86 Western Conference Finals, Houston defeated the visiting LA Lakers 112-102. to The Rockets opened their season 1-0, and and the Lakers dropped to... 0-1, 0-1, surprisingly. Houston were led by Rodney McRae's 28 points, which was the equal third highest output of his career. He'd have 30 points with Sacramento in a November 89 game at Portland. Elijah on was a dream, adding 26 points, 17 boards, and 6 blocks. 
how Akeem didn't win an NBA MVP award before he did, especially during the 1980s, it just shows how strong the league was. Because if you look at some of these stat lines that Akeem peeled off during the 80s, he was just an animal on the court. Absolutely agree. He was routinely just peeling off games like this. And there's ones that I just have to overlook as we go through, as there are with multiple other stars of the time, that we just can't mention every single game where they excel. But yeah, you raise a very valid point there. After Detroit's 0-2 start, I found this little gem from the Detroit Free Press's Jeanette Howard. And I think that's going to be a name we're going to reference quite a few times throughout this season. She's already provided a couple of gems. Quote, when a well-meaning but obviously uninformed fan spotted Pistons reserves Chuck Nevitt and John Swites walking through Metro Airport Sunday morning and yelled, Hey, great game last night. A few players' faces curdled in disbelief. Then Nevitt laughed and, as the fan turned his back, lifted an imaginary machine gun to his shoulder and emptied the clip. Good game, Nevitt said. Not yet, not even close. End quote. That was quite interesting to get an insight there into Chuck Nevitt's persona off the court. Seems like a bit of a, a jester. You should make sure that you, Nevitt, not feel the need to mention Chuck Nevitt. <laughs> These jokes don't get any better, do they? <laughs> no. I won't even chuck them out with the edit. There we go. On the 2nd of November, there was just two games played on this date, and Atlanta at Philadelphia took home the chocolates 122 to 113. Neek lit up the 76ers for 36 points, 9 boards and 8 assists, and Sir Charles and Mo Cheeks top scored for the Sixers with 26 apiece. Barkley also added 14 rebounds and 7 assists. And on this same date, the other game, Chicago at Cleveland in front of 17,540 at Richfield Coliseum. The Bulls were victorious 94-89 to and moved to 2-0 and on the season, so a great start there for the Doug Collins-led Bulls. For the Bulls, Jordan had 41 points and 8 rebounds. He was off to an absolute flyer. Dave Corzine, 13 points and 10 boards. And Charles Oakley had 8 points and 15 rebounds. And for Cleveland, Ronnie Harper had 23 points and Brad Doherty, 18 points and 15 boards. So two rookies already making a big impact in Cleveland. Jordan took a spill after being taken down by Cleveland's Mark West late in the game at Richfield Coliseum. Doug Collins had screamed at MJ to dribble out the clock, but Jordan knew better and went for the kill. Jordan spent three minutes laying on the court in the hands of trainer Mark File. Doug Collins said his, and I quote, life flashed before me as he thought Jordan had separated a shoulder. Instead, MJ scored eight straight points in the final 1 minute 41 to overtake the Cavs to go along with good support from Oakley and Corzine, who played like a man possessed. Dave also drew high praise from Doug Collins after the game, wrote Bob Sakamoto. The Bulls fell behind by 17 points twice in the second quarter in this game. That's a fantastic comeback. Yeah, in a cool side note, Dave Corzine dubbed the win the, and I quote, Mike Smrek Memorial Game, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the Bulls signed Darren Day off waivers from the Washington Bullets. It was a big day. Yeah, that's awesome stuff about Dave. I'm really glad to see that he got some good press early on in this season. On the 3rd of November, in the only game on this date, Golden State Warriors defeated the visitors from New York, 104-95. to The Warriors' Purvis Short led all scorers with 26 points, and the Knicks' main man was Calvin Trent Tucker, who dropped 19 points. The Bulls' upcoming game against San Antonio at home had the attention of rookie Brad Sellers, 
who would come face-to-face with the guy Bulls fans wanted the team to draft, Johnny Dawkins. An article by Bob Sakamoto spoke of Sellers' reaction to the boos from Bulls fans and added an authority on the topic of booing, Dave Corzine, could give the rookie some pointers on dealing with it. (laughs) Unfortunately, he could, yeah. And if you're loving the good press for Dave Corzine, check this out. At a Bulls season launch luncheon, Doug Collins introduced each of his players, showing that whilst being a rookie head coach, he was definitely not a rookie behind the mic. When introducing Dave Corzine, Collins said, if anyone boos, I'll shoot them. (laughs) And went on to say that Dave is the least respected player in the league by people who don't know basketball. As long as I'm here, I'll be the president of the Dave Corzine fan club. (laughs) Oh, that is so good. Doug Collins. And as usual, he's on point with his comment too, because, well, I've been singing Dave's praises since the NB85 series, but um, he was oft overlooked and certainly underrated. And I think even when we chatted with um, Sam Smith talking about there is no next, he was talking about how Corzine allowed the floor to open up a bit more on the inside for Jordan to actually drive in and score. So he also helped Jordan's scoring game too. Yeah, and the two stats that came out of the 1980s that showed just how much the Bulls valued Corzine in that he played seven seasons with the Bulls and also led the Bulls in games played during the 1980s, which was a very cool tidbit that you came up during NB86, perhaps? Yeah, I'm not sure which of the ones it was. I think it was 86, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's great stuff. Doug Collins said of John Bark, who coached Collins in the 1972 Olympics, which I didn't know, and I quote, he screamed at me a lot on defense. He said I couldn't guard an ice cream cone, end quote. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. On November 4, San Antonio travelled to Chicago in front of 12,282. And the final score, the Bulls were victorious again, 111 to 104. So they moved to 3 and 0 on the season. For the Bulls, Jordan had 34 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and 4 steals. They're just incredible stat lines. Charles Oakley had a monster, 28 points, 15 rebounds, and 6 assists. The aforementioned Dave Corzine, 16 points and 12 rebounds. Earl Curitan, 15 rebounds, and Steve Coulter, 10 assists. And first San Antonio, Mike Mitchell had 34 points. Now, you mentioned Johnny Dawkins' name not too long ago, and I did read, I think, in another article by Jeanette Howard that Johnny Dawkins was nicknamed Amelda because he owned upwards of 70 pairs of shoes. So that's a little bit of information there, mate, that I thought I might as well just throw in there while it came to my mind. That's a nickname that my mum gave to me very early on in the piece because I also have a few pairs of sneakers. Yeah, that's true. So Johnny Amelda Dawkins, apparently. But uh, anyhow, moving on. Chicago applied the screws and dominated the fourth quarter. They outscored San Antonio 36-18. to Despite a reputation best described as Michael and the Mechanics, the Bulls won their third straight off some more terrific help from the Mechanics, including Oakley, Curitan, Corzine and Paxson. The Bulls trailed 55-36 to in the second quarter before Collins, during a timeout, angrily slammed his playboard on the floor, sending magnetic pieces flying everywhere. Wow. John Paxson said of Collins that he's the kind of guy that you don't want to let down, and he looks after us. MJ said Collins makes the team feel like a college team. You can joke around with him, but when it's time to be serious, he's just that, and the player-coach relationship that he has with him is very close. 
Chicago then went on a 26-7 run in front of 12,282 at Chicago Stadium, and a Jordan basket with 58 seconds left gave the Bulls their lead for good. That's great. Collins made strategic moves throughout the game, such as playing three guards when the Spurs started doubling the Bulls' point guards, and he moved Oakley to the opposite side of the floor to Jordan, who, when doubled repeatedly, found Oak wide open for jumpers. And as you mentioned there about how the players really loved Collins's coaching style and the player-coach relationship, Doug was definitely a player's coach. You speak of the good press for Dave Corzine. A lot of the press for rookie coach Doug Collins was glowing early on in the season. Wouldn't you agree, mate? It really was. Continuing games on the 4th of November, arguably the game of the night was at Indiana. The Pacers outlasted Philadelphia 125-121 to in double OT. The first meeting between former Auburn teammates, Charles Barkley and Chuck Person, Ex-Piston, John Long, dominated for Indiana, and he dropped a career-high 44 points, including all 11 in the second overtime. Wow. Barkley had 34 points, 10 boards, and 14 assists, commonly known as a triple-double, and Chuck Person had 15 points and 11 rebounds for the Pacers. Hashtag trip dip. <laughs> I almost said trip dip, then just said triple-double. <laughs> I mean, it's been brought up anyhow, so we'll keep it in there. Now, here's something, mate, that I was completely oblivious to that occurred in this same game. Barkley fell to the floor after Julius Irving collided with him following a missed layup during the second overtime, and that led to Charles's admittance to Temple University Hospital, where it was found that he had bleeding in the stomach. And I went straight to Basketball Reference to view his 86-87 game log and learnt that he'd missed the next nine games for the Sixers. He only missed 24 games through the first six seasons in the league, nine of which were due to this ailment. NB87, where... Brilliant NBA minutia happens. <laughs> Isn't it great? That's fantastic. Yeah, so through a bit of sleuth work, which didn't take too long at all, you just love mucking around on basketball reference. I could spend, well, I already do spend hours a day probably on it anyway. <laughs> but yeah, some great information there that can be uncovered. On the 5th of November, six games were on the slate. A six-point margin of victory was the lowest, 31 points the largest. Bird was the word in the latter as Boston outpaced Indiana 133-102 to behind Larry's 38-point, 11-rebound and 8-assist sublime effort. On the 6th, Bob Verdi warned the Bulls' front office of thinking that the Bulls' 3-0 and start might make them think that the team doesn't need help and soon to keep the streak of wins going on arriving at the stadium before the win against San Antonio wearing a grey suit. Jerry Krause called his wife and asked her to bring the blue suit-yellow tie combo that he wore in the first two wins, and Doug Collins left his playbook at the hotel before the win against the Knicks, so he was now doing the same for all games. <laughs> Superstitious bunch, these bulls. How good's that? Yeah, brilliant. Bob Sakamoto had a piece in the Tribune on this day detailing a new phenomenon for Santa Dave Corzine, Cheers. <laughs> Not the TV show, the crowd were... Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> These cheers were due to great performances to this point and Doug Collins' crusade to give Corzine his due. It's a miracle, said Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is great. MJ said that Corzine was like Rodney Dangerfield. He was starting to get some respect. In reference to the <laughs> brilliant starter ads, the late Dangerfield appeared in during the 1980s. <laughs> Co 
Collins was due to rest Oakley and Jordan more during practices as the pair were playing 40 minutes per game. This was a practice that the Celtics used with Larry Bird at the time, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm. Trainer Mark File had a routine of during the first timeout of the game, he was predicting the outcome and point differential. And up to this point, Mark was 3-0 and with a differential of only two points across the first three games. How good is that? <laughs> That's awesome. We'll have to keep a file on that, mate, and see how he goes throughout this season. On the mark, as always. Jordan had just been photographed at the multiplex for a GQ piece and was due to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated soon. That cover photo would be a picture from the home game against San Antonio with the Spurs' Alvin Robertson and Michael Thompson in the picture. Very cool. I love that sort of stuff. Now... Dallas was super, demolishing the Sonics 147-124 to 124 on this day. Dallas blew the game open with a 44-27 first quarter onslaught. Nine Mavs scored in double figures, which is not often you'll see that. However, Al Wood lead them all with 25 points. For Seattle, the X-Man was the man with 28 points, 13 rebounds and 4 steals. Denver had strong performances from Alex English and Lafayette Lever helping the Nuggets upend the Jazz 135-121. to Hall of Famer English had 36 points and 8 rebounds, and Fat was fat with 13 points, 12 rebounds, and 14 assists. That works both ways, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, thanks. On the 7th, Bob Sakamoto detailed Earl Curitan's great start with the Bulls ahead of his matchup against his former team, the Detroit Pistons. Earl had procured 20 <laughs> offensive rebounds in his first three games as a Bull uh. and spoke of his three years in Detroit being the team's scapegoat. Mm. He also added that whilst this year's Pistons team was a better rebounding team with rookies John Sally and Dennis Rodman, they weren't good defensively. The Bulls were quicker and Chicago should beat them in their upcoming matchup. Wow. Also on this day, former Bull Mike Smirk signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay, well, how good was that Procuritan? <laughs> Very clever, I like that. I didn't see that coming. Was Earl going to be on point? Let's see. Chicago at Detroit on the 7th in front of 18,579. The Pistons had the last laugh, 115 to 109. It was the Bulls' first loss. They dropped to 3-1 and one on the early season. For the Bulls, Jordan had 33 points, no rebounds, and five assists in 42 minutes. Oakley had 20 points and 19 boards. Dave Corzine, 15 points and 6 rebounds. Hashtag cheers. And Earl Curitan, <laughs> 10 rebounds. Now for Detroit, Isaiah had 29 points, 8 assists and 6 steals. Recently acquired, Adrian Danley had 24 points and 8 rebounds. Lamb had 20 points and 19 rebounds. So some big stats all around there. Now I've got an asterisk next to Jordan's zero rebounds, mate. I went back to basketball reference. I was on a mission researching in this episode. This was one of only eight games in Jordan's career where he had no rebounds. So I thought that was definitely newsworthy. After closing out the first three games for the Bulls, Michael Jordan couldn't put the finishing touch on the Pistons at the Silverdome. MJ missed two free throws, had the ball stolen, and threw away a pass in the final 313 of the game. The Bulls led 94-87 with 717 to go, but 14 fourth-quarter points from Isaiah Lord-Thomas III was too much down the stretch. And even though Jordan had no rebounds in this game, it's not like the Bulls struggled. The Bulls had another stellar game on the offensive boards with 34 offensive rebounds and out-rebounded the Pistons 54-47 to overall. 
but turned the ball over 18 times and Joe Dumas played Jordan well down the stretch. That makes it even more remarkable that Jordan had zero rebounds and yet the Bulls did so well on the glass overall. Mm. And plus being up seven with under eight minutes to go and then to sort of throw it away, uh, that's disappointing. It could have been a 4-0 and start. On this day, there was also a nice little tidbit that had some Jeff Rule and Gold attached to it. The coin-throwing incident that we detailed in an earlier episode that disrupted George Gervin's first game in Italy reminded Philadelphia's Jeff Ruland, who played a year in Spain, of an incident in Italy in 1981. Ruland's Spanish team was playing in the European Cup tournament against an Italian team. Ruland said, We were up by five with 35 seconds left and we lost. They cheated. An Italian guy hit me, so I turned around and knocked him out. (laughs) The last guy that you'd think who'd come after you in that situation is another American. But then Bruce Flowers, who played at Notre Dame, started scratching at my back. What a wimp. I beat him up too. They escorted me off the court with machine guns, end quote. (laughs) That was so good. You sent that through to me in advance of our recording today because, quite frankly, we couldn't not mention it in the interim. So I found that to be hilarious. Uh, Jeff Ruland, former guest and friend of the show, dare I say, episode 45. Great guy to chat with as well. Well, transitioning from that, mate, I guess it makes sense that after being escorted off the court with machine guns, that the next season, Jeff Ruland would join the Washington Bullets. Okay, on the 7th of November, with less than six minutes remaining in regulation, Sam Bowie suffered a shocking leg injury. Although the outcome of the game, Portland was 120-113 to victors over Dallas in overtime, was the Trailblazers' first win, they were 1-4. and four. Sam was taken from the Memorial Coliseum floor on a stretcher. He'd missed the rest of the season and completely sat out the following season, which would be NB88. Now, I'm sure you're aware, mate, of this shocking incident, and I'll include a link in the show notes, morbidly, uh, of the moment where you can actually hear his leg break. It's that bad. Uh, terrible footage. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a stomach-turning moment that was featured in Centre of Attention. Mm, shocking stuff. On the 8th, after sitting out for one game with an ankle sprain, the human highlight film Dominique Wilkins returned to the lineup and led his hometown Hawks with 26 points in a 110-91 win over the Bullets, shooting Atlanta to a 5-0 and record. The Hawks were the only undefeated NBA team at this point. So I thought you'd probably enjoy that one. On the same date, Phoenix at Chicago in front of 15,122 saw the Phoenix Suns lose 101-96 to to the Chicago Bulls and the Bulls improved 4-1 and on the year. Jordan was stellar as usual with 39 points, 6 rebounds and 5 steals. Johnny Pax, 16 points and 9 assists. Charles Oakley, 12 points and 17 boards. And Earl the Twirl, 10 <laughs> points and 10 rebounds. For Phoenix... Walter Davis and Larry Nance had 27 points each, and Ed Pinckney, 5 points and 17 rebounds. For pure entertainment, the Bulls are the hottest ticket in Chicago, wrote Bob Sakamoto. This after a rousing 101-96 come from behind win over Phoenix in front of 15,122 at the Chicago Stadium. If fans are looking for good theatre, then the stadium is the place to be with games against Boston and Atlanta coming up this week. Paxson and Jordan both had 10 points in the fourth quarter and Oakley seven boards, one of which was an offensive tip-in off his own missed shot for a crucial bucket to seal the game. 
Paxton played 41 minutes after Buffon Coulter injured his thumb five minutes into the game. And MJ wasn't in his usual joking mood in wanting to win the game and prove their first three wins weren't a fluke. On the 10th, Bob Sakamoto wrote a piece in the Tribune on the Bulls' fast start to the season and the differences between this and Bulls teams of the past. And Earl Curitan couldn't average 20 points per game like an Orlando Woolridge, but he can grab 10 boards, set screens for MJ and elicit the respect from his teammates that Woolridge couldn't, wrote Bob. The Bulls were staying close enough through three quarters of great play from the likes of Paxson, Corzine, Curitan and Oakley, then launching Air Jordan down the stretch of games. Yeah, I like that. The Bulls' great start to the season was being reflected so positively in the media up to this point, as I mentioned earlier on. Luke Longley put it best in a 60 Minutes interview from back in 1992 on Channel 9 here in Australia, and I quote, When you're winning, everybody loves you. On the 11th, the sack previewed the Bulls' matchup against the NBA's only unbeaten team, the high-flying Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta, to this point, was fourth in the league in offense and second in defense, and were Bulls coach Doug Collins' pick to win the Central. Hmm. The Hawks were due to be without Sputnik Webb with a bruised thigh, but would give the Bulls all they could handle on the boards with their three seven-footers in Willis, Contract, and Rollins. Did you, <laughs> did you say Contract? <laughs> Hello to John Concake, if you're listening. I really would love to have you on the show, but understand it uh, may not be possible now, thanks to Aaron. It's been a while since you've thrown someone under the bus. Yeah. Okay. Challenge accepted. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Philadelphia's Cliff Robinson came off the bench on the 11th and had 35 points, 27 of which were after halftime, as his 76ers fought back from a 27-point deficit. They were down 87-60 to 60 in the third quarter at Seattle to win 121-114. to 114. That 27-point-and-a-half effort from, don't call me Uncle Cliff Robinson, <laughs> kind of makes that trade actually look a bit better now, doesn't it, for the number one pick? That would eventually be Bradley Lee Doherty from Black Mountain, North Carolina. Oh, you've been waiting to get that one, haven't you? <laughs> now, Tommy Chambers had a blinder with 33 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 assists. Alton Lister added 19 points and 10 rebounds, and Dale Ellis, friend of the show, episode 57 of the show, had 16 points. Philadelphia were 5-2, and two, and Seattle 3-3. Three and three. Atlanta at Chicago, also on the 11th, in front of 16,877. Probably a contender for the game of the season, very early on, of course. Hmm. Chicago 112, Atlanta 110, and the Bulls improved to 5-1. and one. That was the first loss of the season for the Atlanta Hawks. So, a great game there. Jordan had 34 points. Charles Oakley, 17 points and 9 boards. Earl Curitan, another great game, 13 points and 11 rebounds. And Brad Sellers had 10 points on 4-4 four four from the field. Atlanta were led by Dominique's 26 points, Doc Rivers 23 points and 11 assists, Kevin Willis had 22 points and Randy Whitman 15. The Bulls got off to their best start in 15 years with the 112 to 110 win over Atlanta, wow. capped by Jordan's hanging basket with 19 seconds left. The Hawks were effusive in their praise of what the Bulls had accomplished post game including friend of the show, Mike Fratello, <laughs> who said the Bulls aren't four guys standing around watching one guy with the ball anymore. After getting down by 13 early in the game, it was the third quarter where Chicago set up the win with a 29-15 quarter and forcing Atlanta into just 5-17 for 17 shooting for the term. Nice work. And you can go to inawareness.com forward slash 32 
to hear the aforementioned chat with the czar of the Telestrator, Mike Fratello. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for putting in the shameless self-promotion on my behalf. Returning to games on the 11th, Utah fans collectively made appointments to see their respective doctors following an absolute heart-stopping win over the visiting Mavericks. Daryl Griffith, a.k.a. Dr. Duncanstein, a.k.a. the Golden Griff, hit two three-pointers in the game's final seven seconds, the second of which was at the buzzer after Utah's Ricky Green stole an inbounds pass. The final score of the game, the Jazz held on to take that victory 104-103 to against Dallas. Chicago visited Washington in front of 15,121 and the Bullets defeated the Bulls 101-99. to Chicago dropped to 5-2. and For the Bulls, Jordan had 28 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. Charles Oakley, 20 points and 13 rebounds. And the 12, Curitan had 15 points. For Washington, Moses Malone played his part, 33 points and 13 rebounds. Jeff Malone had 30 points. The Bulls almost stole the victory in Landover, Maryland with two late, unlikely three-pointers by Brad Sellers and John Paxson, wrote Bob Sakamoto. MJ was harassed into one-for-seven shooting in the fourth as Kevin Lockery sent two and three guys at Jordan, including 6'9 pair Dan Ranfield and Charles, former Chicago Bull Jones. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fair nickname. Coach Doug Collins said the team was a little flat after the emotional win over Atlanta at home. The team was a little sloppy in getting the bullets into the bonus earlier than they would have liked in the fourth quarter. Earl, the 12 Curitan, missed a box out on Moses late in the fourth. Off a bullet's missed free throw when the Bulls were down by one. Hmm. In other news, during an interview, former coach Stan Orbeck steered clear of any questions about the Bulls, but said he was pleased to see John Paxson and Dave Corzine get off to fast starts this season, and added that the team could go far if Jordan stays healthy, but if he goes down, it will be, and I quote, Katie bar the door. I then took the time to look up the origins of this phrase and found several possible origins. Katie bar the door roughly means there will be trouble in store, but there were also links as far back as Catherine Douglas and her attempt to save the Scottish King James in 1437. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> I know that during the week I did see, follow the hashtag NB87, because there's certainly plenty of things that we can't mention in every episode, which is just referenced on Twitter. It's great media that you can mostly look at, some videos, some photos, some just random tidbits. So definitely check it out. But you did allude to the fact that that would be referenced in this episode. That's fantastic stuff, mate. I appreciate the uh, effort in diving into that one as well. Um, interestingly, mate, in the last couple of minutes, both former coaches of the Bulls since Jordan came into the league, Stan Albeck and the gentleman that preceded him, Kevin Lockery, both get mentioned as well, mate. So I thought that's pretty uh, interesting too for what it's worth. Yep. Back to games on the 12th. LA Lakers smashed Seattle 122 to 97 in LA. The Lakers outscored the Sonics 39 to 25 in the second stanza. The four and one Lakers were led by Kareem Abdul Jabbar's 25 points and eight rebounds. Kareem was apparently going to retire at the end of 1985 season. <laughs> James Worthy had 20 points and the Magic Man had 19 points and 10 assists. X-Man led the Seattle Supersonics with 17 points and great friend of the show, Terrence Stansbury, in com slash 58, added 16 points and three assists in just 18 minutes. Indiana traded Terrence to Seattle in early October of 86, and this was Terrence's highest scoring game with the Sonics. On the 13th, there were four games, and the pick of the lot was Indiana's 120-117 to overtime win at New Jersey. 
The Pacers, John Long had 26 points and Wayman Tisdale, 24 points and 14 rebounds. The Nets recently acquired Orlando Woolridge had 30 points. Mike Jaminski had 25 and 10 rebounds. And Buck Williams was a monster, scoring 23 points and grabbing 20 rebounds. On the 14th, after two subpar performances by the defending NBA MVP, all Bulls coach Doug Collins needed was a fired-up Larry Bird coming into a sold-out Chicago stadium. Even standing room tickets were sold out. If anything, this is a good time for the Bulls to get the Celtics. They were without Danny Ainge, Bill Walton, Scott Wedburn, and Casey Jones was sent home to Boston with strep throat. Wow. How oh, ST ruggling. However, that didn't appear to be the case for the game itself, which took place later that day. Boston at Chicago in front of 18,919. Defeated the Bulls, 110-98. to The Bulls slipped to 5-3. and three. And Jordan had a, another incredible performance. 48 points and 5 rebounds. Oakley, another great game from him. Oak Tree stepping up big time. 20 points and 13 rebounds. Johnny Pax had 16 points and 5 assists. And for Boston, Bird was... Otherworldly, 37 points and 10 assists, if you don't mind. Kevin McHale, 32 points and 8 rebounds. And Robert the Chief Parish, 27 points and 18 boards. Three against one is no fair, even if that one is Michael Jordan, wrote Bob Sakamoto. MJ went off for 48 points in the Bulls' 110-98 loss, but it was only half of the 96 that Bird, Parish, and McHale combined for. Wow. Bird had 28 in the first half alone, hitting 10 of his first 13 shots as the Bulls decided to play him straight up, as Boston had Chicago down by as much as 18 early in the third term. The Bulls had a 10-0 run, which kept them within striking distance, as they got it to within four later in the period. Collins played a smaller lineup at times in the second half, hoping to outrun the Celtics. It got them back into the game, but they suffered on the board without a true centre on the court. Returning to games on the 14th, in a high-scoring affair, Denver pulled off a great victory, 142-138 to at home, after one stage trailing 124-110. to The Nuggets' main man in the scoring column was the unlikely Bill Hanslick, with 33 points, and that was his career high. Alex English and Fat Lever contributed 30 and 29 points, respectively. Rolando Blackman, episode 70, had 24 points for the Mavericks, and James Donaldson added 19 points and 13 rebounds. On the 15th, Adrian Danley had a would-be season high of 41 points, although his Pistons lost 118-111 to in Detroit. Now here's another great game. The hometown Pacers stole a memorable win as rookie Chuck Person hit a three-pointer at the buzzer to edge Milwaukee 104-103. to Indiana were 5-3, and the first time they were two games above 500 since 1982. In Seattle's 127-121 win at Golden State, Tom Chambers had 38 points for the Sonics. Both teams' records were 4-4 four and four after that game. Now, mate, as we get towards the end of this episode, Players of the Week. There was only one announced in early November, and on November 9, Michael Jordan took home that honour with 39.4 points per game on 50% from the field, 5.6 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 2.8 steals and 2 blocks a game, and the balls were 4-1 and one in that period of time. The high men for points, Jordan, 50 points on... The 1st of November at New York, our top rebounder was Jack Sikma of Milwaukee at Philadelphia on the 5th of November and Akeem Olajuwon of Houston versus Sacramento on the 8th of November. The high assist man was Magic Johnson with 18 versus Denver on the 7th of November and also Mo Cheeks had the same number versus San Antonio on the 7th of November. 
And the NBA standings through November 15, the division leaders were in the Atlantic, Boston were off to a flyer at 6-2. and two. In the Central, Atlanta were 7-1. and one. In the Midwest, Utah were 5-2. and two. And in the Pacific, the Lakers were 4-1. and one. As we said, the Bulls were 5-3, and three, good only for the equal third spot in the Eastern Conference. That brings us to the end of Episode 2 of NBA 87. Thanks again for being a part of the show as always. Uh, anything you'd like to add, mate, before we do wrap it up? There's no question that uh, as a career, if he had have chosen to do so, that outside of basketball, Jeff would have been ruling the boxing ring. <laughs> Giddy up. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues in allairness.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at InAllAnnis. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash InAllAnnis. Join me next time for another edition of the show. (laughs) That's our official knockout. Recently acquired... Oh, he wasn't on the team. I was going to say recently acquired Adrian Dantley, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Could have been a great one. Hmm. Now. <clears throat> um. <laughs> this is like a throat clearing, a throat clearing frenzy at the moment. <laughs> throat clearing frenzy. <laughs> Hang on. Can I just show you that? Can you see that? Look at the top message. I definitely can't see it. Higher or lower? No, you need to turn the screen on so I can see it. What? (laughs) (laughs) How about now? No, I can't see it, man.